0: God has pulled us out of the deadly way of thinking that used to be our only way of thinking. And He has renewed our spirits. He has given us His Holy Spirit so that we can think differently.
1: Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives.
0: Please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And we'll begin reading at verse 1. Hear now God's word. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of a sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin... And sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might fully be met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what their, that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Because the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ, But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen. And may God add his Spirit's blessing to the reading of his word. Today we're going to be concentrating on verses 5 through 15. But if you've been with us during this process of our studies in Romans, you'll realize that this now comes at near the end of our part of this part of the series. Richard and others of us have been preaching through Romans, and the thing that has become apparent as we've looked at Romans is that Paul the Apostle, writing this to the Romans, said that there is one problem... One solution and one way to benefit from that solution. And then Paul talks about the solution's benefits to us. In chapters 1 through 3, verse 20, we have seen that the world has one problem, and that is that everyone has broken the law of God and that they are without hope, without Christ. Then in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul picks up and says that <clears throat> the way to benefit or to the solution to that problem is faith in Jesus Christ. Excuse me, in chapters, chapter 3, verses 20 through to 31. And then in chapter 4, the Apostle says there's one way to benefit from that solution, and that is to trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. In chapter 5 and following, the Apostle Paul begins to tell us about the benefits of taking that solution. In chapter 6, he describes the benefit of the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ. And then in chapter 7, he reminds us of the struggle that not only he has, but we have with our old sinful ways. Now in chapter 8, we are coming to this section where even though we know we're still sinners, we are new creatures in Christ. And he has redeemed us and freed us from the law of sin and death. And that God no longer condemns us. We who trust in Jesus alone for our salvation enjoy the monumental benefits of, of that justification that was wrought in Jesus Christ. In verses 1 through 4, Paul basically says, as Richard summed up his sermon last week, that those who are in Christ, for them, for us who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Because we live and walk in the Spirit of God who has made us free from the law of sin and death so that we no longer have to live according to to the flesh. And this is why. Now, I want you to look at your outline for just a moment, and you'll notice that the last section talks about Abba's children. Well, I'm going to play a little switcheroo on you. We're going to start at the end and go back to the beginning. Why do I do that? Well, let me tell you a little story. Years ago in another life, when I was in seminary, the last year of seminary, Kathy and I were married at that time, and she was expecting our first child. And one of the ways that we eked our living through those days of seminary was I preached at a church every other week and did pastoral care in the community that weekend and then we also together would take long-term house sitting and child sitting as a part of our income and one time we spent two weeks with a family who was actually taking one of their children on a long trip and leaving the rest of the children with us and this was their practice They would take the oldest child on a special trip. And so each child, even though the ones who had to stay with us were not that happy, they knew that when they were at a certain age, they would go with their parents as well. Well, the parents invited us for an interview so they'd get to know us. They knew that we went to seminary, but that wasn't enough. They wanted to see us face-to-face. So we went to their home. Now, you've got to remember this is in Mississippi or as it is better known, Mississippi. And the company or the the family's name was Red R. E. D. D. This man's father, about thirty years before, had started what's called Red Pest Control in Mississippi. And it was pretty famous in Mississippi. You probably never heard of it. But in the time of interview, I was talking with Mr. Red, and I asked, well, how did your dad get started and and become so successful uh, in the pest business? And he said, well, he said, dad started out on all the farms in Mississippi because the farms had terrible problems with rat infestations uh, that would eat up all their harvest. And Mr. Red said, the reason my dad was so successful was he thinks like a rat. (laughs) So that really impressed me and made me think about that statement in terms of lots of different things, but especially as I was thinking about this particular sermon. Because as we start in verses 14 and 15, we find the reason why we have such a monumental benefit from the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. Let's read verses 14 and 15 together. Listen to it. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the Spirit of Sonship. And by Him we cry out. Abba, Father. This is the first place in Romans where Paul introduces this monumental benefit, and it is adoption. We are adopted as Christian believers into the family of God, we become sons and daughters of God. Now you've heard it said, you know, that we're all, everyone is a son and daughter of God. Well, that beloved is not biblical. That is not true. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ are sons and daughters of God. We find that throughout the scriptures. And the word for adoption here is a very special word. It's only used in a few places by the Apostle Paul in Galatians, here in Romans. And elsewhere. But it is a special word that, as William Hendrickson, a great commentator on the scriptures, says, with its legal background, it came from the Roman understanding of adoption. Romans would often adopt a grown person, usually a male, almost always a male, to be the one to whom the kingdom would come or would be passed along to. Because the person who was getting ready to adopt could check out the person to be adopted and make sure that he or she, he was the right kind of person. Now certainly, this was a legal engagement in the Roman Empire and was used frequently. But we do find in the scriptures that God says he will adopt us as his children. You may want to write this one down. You may want to look it up. Isaiah 43, 6 and 7. God says this, I will say to the north, give them up and to the south. Do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by name, my name whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God has called us out of darkness, out of slavery to sin, and slavery to a a terrible master, into the adoption of sons and daughters. Adopted. What a wonderful, monumental benefit. So that we're not just saved, It's not just that we are justified from our sins and our sins are wiped away and we have been the recipients of the righteousness of Christ. It's not only that, but God invites us to be His children, adopts us into His family. And then at the verse 15 you may be reminded of a particular kind of cry of the Lord Jesus Christ. For in verse 15, it says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Here we are given that monumental gift, of adoption into the family of God, whereby we can call God Almighty Abba, Daddy. What an amazing gift. But that gift has responsibilities and realities about it. So if we are adopted into the, son, into the family of God, if we're sons and daughters of God, then how are we to act? How are we to think? And now we begin with the first section on your list. The living dead. Now I'm going to do something and I want you to listen What I've done is taken Paul's argument in verses 5 through 13 and separated it into two separate sections. The first one is the first section that you have in your handout, the living dead, and then the second is the living ones in the Spirit. So listen to the Scriptures again. How did we once live and think before we became sons and daughters of God. Here's how we thought and lived. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. You see, that's the part of Paul's argument, which I have entitled, The Living Dead. For those without Christ, or those who are not adopted into the family, those who do not understand that by faith we are to trust in the salvation that Christ offers, they are at enmity with God. Hatred toward Him. And the result of that hatred and their relationship with God in that context is simply death. This is the stark reality that Paul paints in these verses. Because those who are the living dead, dead in trespasses and sins, they don't have any trouble thinking about sinning. It comes naturally. Because they can't think of anything but that. That's the way I used to be that's the way all of us used to live now I want to take the second section that you have in your handout and read it so that we know how sons and daughters of God the living ones in the spirit should live those who live according to in accordance with the Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. But if by the Spirit... You keep on killing or putting to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live. Do you see the stark difference between those who live in the flesh and are dominated by the flesh and those who now are sons and daughters of God, allowing God's Spirit to direct and govern? That's the problem with adoption. Today we generally understand adoption with people finding small infants or just very young children. And so when they come into the family, there's no problem helping them to understand the family ethos, to understand the family heritage, to understand how that family functions because they grow up understanding it. But you see, God has pulled us out of the deadly way of thinking that used to be our only way of thinking. And he has renewed our spirits. He has given us his Holy Spirit so that we can think differently. Three times the Apostle Paul uses the word to think. In verse 5, He says that the mind set on what the spirit desires. That simply means the mind that is concentrated, focused on what God desires. And that word in the Bible generally means to employ a person's faculty for thoughtful planning with an emphasis on the underlying disposition or attitude. It means that your mind is focused. And so that we must think in a new way. But the problem that we experience as Christian believers is we have a new way of thinking through the Holy Spirit, but the old way is still there. And isn't it far too easy for us to slip back into the old ways of thinking, into the ways of death. Here Paul says, you are no longer in the realm of the flesh. You're in the realm of the spirit. And the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And the word governed there, the mind governed or the thinking is related to the faculty of thoughtful planning, often with the implication of being wise and provident. You see, beloved, as we are adopted into the family of God, we must learn new ways of thinking. How does one learn those ways? Through worship, through prayer, but primarily through the Word of God. In the Old Testament, a related word to the one that talks about thinking is one that is translated this way. Listen to Proverbs 6, verses 20 through 23. My son and daughter, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way to life. That's Proverbs 6, verses 20 through 23. Notice what... Is said there. Keep your father's commands and your mother's teaching. Let them be bound to your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you wake, they will speak. To you. you see, being adopted into the family means that we learn new ways of thinking. That we put behind us the old ways of thinking. And we allow the Holy Spirit of God through the Word of God to teach us new ways of thinking concentrating our thoughts. But you see, beloved, the Holy Spirit won't do that for you. You and I must diligently do what the writer of Proverbs says. Listen to it again. Take your father's commands and your mother's teaching, bind them to your heart. What's he talking about? Memorizing and meditating on God's law, God's word. Bind them, fasten them around your neck so that when you see yourself in the mirror, you see them. When you feel your neck, you feel it, the necklace of God's law. Why? Because if you bind them to your heart and you put them around your neck as a necklace, they will guide you when you walk, speak to you and comfort you and watch over you as you sleep. And when you wake, they will guide you. This is the monumental gift that God gives us, you and me, as he adopts us into his family. He gives us the new way of thinking, directed, commanded, comforted, guided, spoken to by the very Spirit of God through the Word of God. And so my encouragement to you and to me is to spend more time listening to Abba and learning His ways of thinking. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Abba, thank you. That you have adopted us into your family. What an amazing privilege. Help us to realize that wonderful, monumental reality. That you have taken us out of darkness, out of slavery to fear and made us your sons and daughters. Help us, Lord, to think your thoughts after you. And we ask this for Christ's sake.
1: Amen. Whatever you're facing this week, First Presbyterian Church would like to pray for you. Please call 864-672-1838 to leave your name and the prayer request, or receive prayer in person. Details about this service are listed on your screen. To purchase a DVD of today's message, please send a check or money order for $10 to First Presbyterian Church and include today's program number. For more information, call 864-672-1846 or visit our website at firstpresgreenville.org.